and welcome to another episode of Be Free, Be Fun, Be Fearless. I am Dr. Rena Alfredo, your host for today. And today we are talking about something, a subject that is so true uh, to my heart. Uh, and so I am really thrilled to have my special guest, Dina Legland, with me today. She is an inner warrior coach. Uh, wellness warriors for life and she helps women conquer the fear when they are diagnosed with breast cancer and discover the road ahead of them so when I heard about Dina and what she does I couldn't wait to get hold of her uh, and uh, because like I said this is something that is so massively uh, affected my life where I lost my mother in my early 20s uh, to breast cancer and it really did then take me on a completely different uh, journey in life and then just a few years ago uh, my sister very nearly went the same way and I have had come across so many patients who explain to me how they feel when they are diagnosed and even post remission. So when I found out about what Dina does, I was just so excited to have her here and to talk about all of that and how she can help you. So Dina, my darling, <laughs> welcome, welcome. All the way over there in New York. Uh, yes, thank you so much. Thank you, it's an honor, a true honor to be here and speaking about this subject that is actually also very dear to my heart as well. Yeah, yeah. It's so been a crazy roller coaster. We should start by saying you are a registered nurse and you were a nurse for 30 years, right? Yes, yes. I have been a nurse for 30 plus years and I still have my license, of course, but I actually retired right before COVID hit. <laughs> and I also am a certified transformational health and life coach. So I decided to take my nursing skills and go down a different path to help women conquer their fear when they're diagnosed with breast cancer and to discover that there is such a positive road that they can follow. Um, it's just amazing on how people don't realize the positive mindset that really truly helps you as you're going through this process. From the time you get that phone call till the time you hear the words that you're in remission and even beyond remission because our lives have changed. They really, really truly have. Yeah, and some people, you know, post-remission can still never get past it. They, they still remain in that victim phase of, I had breast cancer, and they allow it to control them rather than them control it. And the other thing I've noticed, a lot of people who, who I've known, friends, patients who have had breast cancer also just say, it's just, it's, it's almost like they have a post-traumatic stress by the time they finish the treatment because just the whole stress, trauma, worry of being diagnosed and then immediately rushed into treatment, decisions that they have to make in record time, uh, no time to process, treatments that are incredibly aggressive to their whole bodies, that they just, they come out of it feeling so traumatized. And some of them want to give up and others yes. won't allow it to conquer them. So it, it really is such a complex subject, which I really want us to get into uh, and then explain how, how you help them. But of course you have your own wonderful story. 
Would you share it with us? <laughs> yes, I actually have two stories, actually. Um, back in 2010, I was turning 45 years old. And I really, truly don't mind telling people my age. I'm going to be 55 in just a few days, actually. <laughs> and when I was turning 45, I was very overweight. I was at least 110 pounds overweight. I kind of stopped weighing myself. And I looked at the things that were going on in my life. My mom was ill. My mom had MS. She was bed bound. She had uterine cancer. She had vaginal cancer. My grandmother passed away of colon cancer. And my dad has, his side of the family has complete heart issues like you wouldn't believe. And I just had that moment when I was looking at my mom in her bed and she was literally not doing well. And I could see the writing on the wall as a nurse. And I said, I can't keep going like this. I have to do something. So that whole year, it took me to lose a little over 110 pounds. And I got the healthiest, the healthiest I could ever be for approximately six years. And then all of a sudden, I ended up being diagnosed with breast cancer. Exactly, actually this year will be four years. It's October 10th. 2016. And it's, it's funny how you remember certain dates and certain things that happen. And I'm just going to go into something really, really short and quick is, you know, when you hear that voice on the other end of the phone say to you, where are you? Or are you sitting down? That fear just paralyzes you from head to toe. And I had to learn at that very moment how to embrace the fear when my doctor called me and said, Dina, where are you? And I said, I'm on my way home from work. And she said, pull over to the side of the road. And right then and there, that lump in my throat got big. I started to sweat and I knew something was coming. And she said to me, you have an aggressive form of breast cancer. You need to see a breast surgeon and an oncologist immediately. The reason I share this with you is because I developed the strategy on how to conquer that fear from the time I got that diagnosis and that phone call till today, which means I, you know, in remission and beyond. And that fear still sits in the back of your head, whether or not, am I ever going to get that phone call again? Am I ever going to hear the words, you have cancer again? And a lot of my clients tell me that I'm like an open book. They actually named me the inner warrior coach, <laughs> you know, and I have no problem telling others my strengths, my weaknesses, and the trauma that I have gone through. And they also say how I make them very safe and comfortable so that they can open up and really look enter their soul and say, I got this. I can do this. She understands. She gets me. You know, so that trip home, all the way home, I'm driving and, and it was an hour commute. And I was like, oh my gosh, now I got to go home and tell my husband, my daughters, my family. 
So I just had to embrace it, understand it, fight through it. And when you're going through this process, you're very focused. It's just straight ahead, survival mode, survivor, survive, survive. That's all I got to do. And in reality, you need to thrive, okay? Especially when you come out on the other end and you really need to take a look at yourself and understand that it is okay to take care of yourself. It's not being selfish. You need to stop and say, I need to take this one step at a time. And wouldn't it be great to be that fearless warrior and really look into that inner soul and conquer that fear and get through this process? And that's what I had to do. And that's what I actually support other women do. Because get through this process. Get through that go back to where to, to obviously what I know and my experience where my when my mother was uh, had her diagnosis and then you know she, she broke it to us my brother my sister obviously my dad was around she didn't want to tell anybody else nobody at work knew she still went to work every day having had chemotherapy and radiotherapy her heart, most of her family didn't know when she was on her deathbed two 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 years later they were shocked uh, when they had to fly over um, because they didn't even know she was sick. She hadn't told her mother, her father. Uh, and so she buried it, you know, she buried the existence as if, as if it wasn't there and she just went through it. And actually I, as a 22 year old at that point, uh, when she was diagnosed and I was the youngest of three, was her main confidant. I was, uh, because she didn't want to burden my father either. So, you know, he did the right. practical side of looking after, after her, but I was the, 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 uh, the emotional crux and the emotional support while she was trying to, to get to grips with it all. So a lot of people wonder it's whether, whether to tell people or not. Right. And that's something that um, I actually go through with the courses that I have developed is we take it one step at a time, all right? And actually, you brought up a very good point and it just hit me, like the light bulb went off. When you said you were 22 years old, when your mom went through all of this, my daughters also were roughly the same age. And it, it's, it's tough on an adult child. And during, these programs and if you go through a program with me we actually go through it together you actually kind of heal yourself as you're going through and you look through it at a dip through a different lens you look at it through your own lens and then we discover what it's like for your significant other what it would be like to tell somebody at work what, what it's like when you have to tell your children, you know, it's just the fears that come up are just so strong and we go through this together so you know how to get through it and how to handle it and how to say, yeah, they need to know. It also heals yourself on the inside. 
Does that make any sense? Yeah, because I imagine there are some people who, 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 there are some people where it, it, they do become the victim and it takes complete control of them and it becomes, or because you, you, you made a point saying, you know, you're not being selfish, but there is a balance to be had between it's all about you. Everybody come and pay me attention and look after me. And then you've got the, you know, and you've got the other extreme of, of probably like my mother of burying it. And, I, you know, because as women, we have this role of being there for everybody else. You know, we're the ones who are there for our kids and, and holding, you know, uh, keeping a household together and keeping a job together, you know, typically doing all of those different things. So that's the other extreme. So how can you help right. find the balance? Because everybody's circumstances and, and personality and family are different. Yes, yes, without a doubt. It's a great question. Thank you for asking it. It all depends on the person. We're all very different. So we have to uncover and discover what those true feelings are all about. And through either one-on-one -on -one coaching or in a group coaching session, the, the atmosphere is a safe environment. And you have to really figure out that it's okay to speak up. It's okay to ask for help. You know, it's something that we go over and by certain questions and answers, you discover what you, what you really feel. And it's okay to feel that way. And once you say it or write it down and you look at it or you, you hear it again, you realize that I'm okay. It is about me. Although I am the strongest one, I am the one that's supposed to take care of everybody else. But I actually did this not too long ago with myself. And it's great that I have gone through it so I can support women. And people are like, you're reliving it. How can you do that? And I'm like, I'm healing one part of me at a, at a time by speaking about it. You know, when we keep it all inside, it also disturbs our digestive system, our hormones, our immune system our mental clarity, because we just feel like we need to keep it here and not say anything like your mom did. All right. That stress alone, doing that and hiding it really can affect the whole body, the whole system, which if you notice, did she end up doing anything like that? You know, I know some of my clients, I know for myself, you know, Sometimes my stomach would bother me because I'm, I'm worried about telling my boss. I'm worried about somebody saying, you know, looking at me because I have no hair, you know. So there's just so many avenues that we go down. It's every aspect of your life that we go over that makes it a positive road. And, and, and I explain and teach and support how to make it a positive road. Tell me a little bit more about the kind of the, the typical fears that someone may be feeling 
once they have a diagnosis? What else are they fearful about? We've talked about needing to tell other people and that perception. What else typically? The one that I hear the most is, am I going to die? That is the biggest fear. Am I going to die? Am I going to see my kids grow? Am I going to see my grandchildren grow? And am I going to have to take care? How am I going to take care of my mom if my mom is sick? Like, I, I am not going to be here anymore. So what's going to happen to the family? That's one of the biggest fears. Another fear that I hear a lot of is what my body's going to look like if someone is going through radiation, if somebody needs a mastectomy or a bilateral mastectomy or a lumpectomy. These are all the surgical procedures. Body image is one of the biggest fears, especially when you lose your hair. I lost my hair, I lost my eyebrows, I lost my eyelashes, you know? And because I was on steroids, I kind of blew up a little bit. You know, I gained some weight. And my body image was like, all right, these, these clothes don't fit, I gotta go to work. My students, because I was working at a college at that time, I was a nursing instructor. And when I was diagnosed, I told my students and let me tell you something, younger people, some were very frightful and others were just so embracing and so loving. They were like, what can we do for you? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. Just be your happy selves. And some of the young girls came to me privately and said, my mom has it. My sister has it. My aunt has it. How do I help them? So I started like a little group session with them <laughs> to help them deal with being positive. And I do explain to everybody, there are times where you do break down. It's just human nature. You're gonna have good days and you're gonna have bad days. It's when you have those bad days and to give yourself your positive affirmations and talk to yourself or talk to somebody else. And, you know, it helps you get through the day. Yeah, so you're not, you're not saying, what I'm hearing here is, you're not saying we just put a plaster over it and say, there, there, everything's gonna be okay. Don't worry, you'll get through this. Oh no. So much deeper than that. Right, it does, it goes so deep. Uh, I have clients that have been angry, throwing things, crying, you know, and then I have, I, I speak to one woman and she was like, I'm just dealing with it. God has given this to me. And it doesn't matter what religion you believe in, what fate you believe in, what nationality you are, doesn't matter. Does not matter whatsoever. But this one in particular woman said to me, I was interviewing her and she was like, my doctor was so crazy about that. I wasn't reacting to him, that he called my family into the room and said, what's the matter with her? She, she's not reacting. And when I spoke to her, cause we had a lovely, lovely conversation and I ended up working with her. She said to me, I can't change it. It is what it is. I just need to learn that 
I'm going to be okay. And if I'm not going to be okay, that's okay too. I know that kind of sounds, you know, a little strange to some people, but she was willing to accept whatever her road was going to be. And I asked her, did you ever get upset? Did you ever cry? And she said, no. She goes, I would get tired. I would get a little frustrated, but I would not break down because that is my personality. So when you say to me, how do I help people? It all depends on the person, their personality, what their family history is, how they grew up, because it all intertwines to how we react and the choices that we make. And so what you're doing is changing people from reacting, which is the instinctive, to responding, which is the choice. Right. Absolutely. Their, their level of consciousness, giving them power, recognizing they, they have choice. Yes, they ha you have the choice. You have the choice of, and this might sound a little on the harsh side, but you have a choice to either give up or you have the choice to say, no, I'm going to beat this. And I chose, along with most of the women that I know and most of the women that I've helped, no, we're going to fight this. There's too much of my life and my family and my job or my career, or I want to travel or whatever your list is that you want to do. That is something that people will look at. And that's something we go over too. What are your goals? What do you want? What do you want to happen? And I go into depth about why do you want that? How does that make you feel? What is important about that? There's a lot of so-called inner work that has to be done when you're going through a process like this. And when I was developing my programs and I actually kind of re-healed myself once again. You talk about post-traumatic stress syndrome. I was the one who went through survivor mode and, okay, I'm done. Forget about it. When in reality, it was other things were starting to happen. Such I, needed, I needed a couple of more reconstructive surgeries. I thought I was one and done. Had my, had my bilateral mastectomy, went through my six months of chemo, did not have radiation, had my bilateral mastectomy. Then I had to have the implants put in. And then I had three other reconstructive surgeries. I just finished having one seven weeks ago. The implants that I have were recalled like a car. My tires were recalled. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, I, I know it's funny. To me, it's a little funny. And I do that because I like humor. And that was one of the things that got me through my journey was the humor. And I was able to make fun of myself being bald. I made fun of my new, my, my new you know, my new chest here, you know? And then when I had them, the 
implants recalled, I would go around saying, my airbags were recalled, just like a car. <laughs> but, and this is a very big but, and sometimes I shouldn't use the word but, because it's, it's not a negative tone to it. It's just that in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh no, what's gonna happen now? So that fear comes back to the front and it's just like, okay, they're going to take these out. Are they gonna find something else? And the reason I say that is because the breast, not the breast tissue, the scar tissue that, they, that forms when anytime you have surgery, they have to biopsy that to make sure that there is no cancer. Because unfortunately, these implants caused a different type of cancer. So I had to, and, and, and I did a couple of things that I had to stop, take a breath, and realize that, oh, don't go down that negative path again. Lean more towards the positive path that everything is going to be okay. And thank goodness it was. The biopsies came back negative. But that fear in those moments were right there again. And it was happening all over. And I had to admit to myself, you're doing it and it's okay. Let the feelings happen. And that is something we go through when I help clients. It's okay to feel the way you're feeling. And you can't say it's normal. You can't say don't do that. You say, think about it this way. No, that individual has to be okay with that feeling. And once they accept that feeling, then we move on. So Gina, just to play devil's advocate, because I imagine there'd be a lot of people listening saying, oh, it's all right for you to say, because that's your personality. You can use humor and so on. But there are a couple of things that are scenarios that are springing to mind for me. One is, sure. um, is obviously, you know, they've, they've got past the, the cancer, but people are still looking at them like they feel sorry for them. Or their body is just never, never the same. You know, their hair's come back, but of course after chemotherapy, it comes back thicker, curlier, it eventually gets back to normal. Or they might never be able to lose the weight. Or they're permanently fatigued. And they may have family members and friends who think, oh, that was two years ago. Get past it already. Because they don't, because of course, when something immediately happens, we're in crisis mode. How can we help? How can we support you? And they forget that a few years later, life returns to normal, but you may still be going through it. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because that is the point that I make once we hear the words remission and you continue, you know, doing everything you normally do, whether it's working, whether it's taking care of the kids or taking care of a, a family member. It is, it is a struggle to actually feel like you used to feel. And that is the key. And I go back to saying, because I had to learn to do this along with a lot of my clients, you have to learn how to 
say, you know, I still do need help. I still need someone to do something for me. Um, it's okay to ask. And we have to realize that our life has changed and we need to figure out what we want. All right. And I, I go through a process with the client saying, once again, why is that important that you need someone to get something for you or someone in your, in your life that's not kind of checking in on you anymore? It's amazing on how when you're going through it, everybody is there. What can I do? What can I do? Can you do that? Can I do? And then, like you said, once they know that you're okay, it's like, no, nobody's, nobody's talking to me. Nobody's coming to visit me. Oh, she's got it. She could still do that. She's fine now. And those feelings stir up again. And we have to realize that we need to ask. We need to ask for what we want. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's where the self-care, the self-love, you know, needs to, needs to be there. You were going to say something. I'm sorry. I was going to say, pick you up on that. And I was going to say, presumably, it's also it's asking in a certain way. I know in my, own, in my own programs that I teach, and again, it's all about kind of going deeper. Uh, when, when we go through communication, it's about learning to communicate your needs. So it's not just, could you get that for me or could you do that for me? But explaining your underlying need for it so that people aren't bristled and they understand you're not just being some prima donna or, or you're not just sitting there in victim mode and, and playing, you know, taking advantage, but, but in explaining what the underlying need is. Right, exactly. It's, it's something that's very difficult, I believe, for women to do. Because like you said earlier, is that we are the ones that take care of everything. We really, truly do, you know, and you are 100% correct on learning how to explain the things that we want, need. That, the lines of communication need to be like an open book. Just, let's face it, whether you're going through something like this or going through any other kind of disease, any other kind of illness, any kind of life altering situation that other people are not mind readers. And you're thinking it up here, but it's not coming out in a way that others understand. So you're right. When you dig a little deeper and you explain and you encourage people to communicate, there's a way of letting others know what your needs are true, what they truly are. But to do that involves, um, involves admitting and exposing some vulnerability. Absolutely. Um, I think... I actually think that at times 
this process of going through something like this does make you vulnerable. It makes you humble. And it's, it's something that a lot of people don't quite understand. And they do, like you said, they become the victim. And it's something that is hard to make others feel comfortable. It really truly is. And when you go through this, it's finding that kind of sweet spot, so to speak, of, okay, I know what I want. I know how I'm feeling, how I'm going, how do I relay that to others? Without a doubt. And what if you still don't feel heard? If you still don't feel heard, that's a good, that's a very good question. Then I think we need to revisit on what what is being said what is being conveyed what is what is it that you need to find that's going to make you happier feel good about yourself there are times though where people have went one way and the other person went the other way and like you said before, this isn't all fluffy, fun, light. This can be very hurtful, very heart-centered feelings where some people that are negative in your life and is not accepting how things are going and what you're trying to convey is not happening. Sometimes people cut the ties and Believe it or not, it has happened. I've seen it happen and it has happened to me. And I would have thought not just with friends, but perhaps with partners, perhaps with family members, because by, from what I'm hearing you say, you know, it, this, this, this is an event in your life, just like any other event from which we can grow and from which we can learn, you know, from which we have a chance to uh, slow, it forces us to slow down and, and notice what's important to us and awaken really. And so in that, we, we explore our values and we start to notice where we do this deeper work about ourselves and suddenly our needs become so raw that we recognize our needs that we also notice what it is we've been tolerating and that may be what we've been tolerating from friends, from work, from partners. And we may be in a position where as we get stronger, we realize that we don't want to tolerate it. So I don't think it's other, only just other people who who let go, but we may choose to let go of that person because we realize actually they're, they're not for us after all. Absolutely. And that is very frightful if you really stop and think about it. It's it, for someone to say to themselves, this is too much negativity. I need to let this go. It's not good for me. Is probably just as hard as hearing sometimes that you have a diagnosis like breast cancer or colon cancer or whatever it might be. Because like you said, you're very raw, you're, you're vulnerable. You need 
to let that go so that you can heal in the way that you need to. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough decision, without a doubt. It's a very big, hard decision to make. And like I said, it can affect every being of you, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It all ties in together. Yeah, but it's just, it's just, it's another potential complication. Well, you know, because right. most people think, oh, that's fine. You've got your friends and family to support you. You'll be okay. And it's really not always the case. No, it, it's not. Especially if there is that one person, I'm just going to say that one person. It could be your significant other. It could be a sibling. It could be a parent. Or it could even be an adult child. And you're not getting that love and support that you thought you were going to get. And then you start looking within and saying, what's wrong with me? Why, why, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this to me? When it's not about you, it's about them. Okay. And that is something that also comes up during you know, sessions and, and, and group sessions or one-on-one -on -one sessions. It's like, why me? What, what, what is it about me? Till you uncover and peel away that onion layers and you realize it's not me. They're the ones or that particular person doesn't know how to handle or deal with what I'm going through. And that's where the communication would have to be discussed and say, and have the conversation. And it's going to be a tough conversation without a doubt. When you're trying to convey to somebody your, what you need from them or what you want from them or how they can support you during this, which might lead into either that relationship stays or that relationship goes. Mm -hmm. Which is hard enough in the best of times, you know, when you, when you go through any kind of transformation or coaching process, any inner work is something we, we will often, you know, it's part of the, the releasing process before you can move forward in any aspect of your life is about getting rid and that may be people uh, and, and negativity and anything that drains you so that you can, you can rebalance again. But to have to do it when you're also seriously uh, ill just as like a double double whammy, it really, really can complicate things further. So we've talked a bit about the fears, the typical fears that someone may have from diagnosis, fear of, of the treatment itself as well, presumably. Yes. We haven't really touched on that. I mean, this is aggressive fear of surgery, fear of chemo, fear of the side effects. Right. Yes. Actually, we each each step of the process is something that you go through, all right? And those fears are right at, right at the front gate here. And what happens is, is that most women think about it all at once. Okay, I got diagnosed. I gotta tell the family. I gotta tell work. 
Um, I have, I have to go through treatment. I, I got to find the right doctors. I got to find the right surgeons. Uh, what's going to happen with that first dream? What am I going to feel like? What are the side effects? You know, and, you know, then possibly surgery. Then what am I going to look like? And they're just going a mile a minute when you need, like I said, to take that step back and go one step at a time. And we were, you, you were asking the question about a little bit beyond chemo. Is that what, where we were going with this? Yeah, we were, so we were fearful of the treatment. So it was the fears. And then of course, yeah, what about the, the, the three months check, the six months check, the one year check. Um, and then obviously all that we talked about, you know, all the ways that, that people then start treating you as if everything is normal, but you may still be going through it. And then the kind of the post-traumatic stress sets in. So what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, there's, initially there can be this massive sense of overwhelm as well as fear and so much to do, which distracts you from dealing with it emotionally at that point, really. Yeah. You're in the doing phase. And then it all starts to hit you either during the long treatment phase or just after. But of course, you help people at every single one of these phases, either on a one-to-one -one or through a group. And I know having spoken to you, this is not just a support group. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, we're all in this together. We'll help you. So tell, tell me more about that. Tell you, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're asking to tell you more about the digging, the deeper coaching sessions yeah. that we go through. Yes. Yeah. And therefore how the programs can truly benefit you. Right. These programs, how I, how I have constructed these programs is that weekly, there's some content to go over. All right. And people get it in the beginning of the week. And this content, whether it's about the fear of the phone call and telling people, or it's the week of the fear of surgery, all right, because we go through the entire process or the fear of, okay, I'm in remission now. Now what happens? Okay. So the content is related to those fears. And then there are thought provoking questions that you get to answer in the privacy of your own space. And the reason I developed these questions is because it really makes you stop and think about the process and taking it one step at a time. And it makes you stop and think and dig kind of like you said, the inner work on why am I feeling like this? Why is this important to me that I'm feeling like this? If I feel this way, can I feel this way? And who would benefit from it? You know, so these questions really are for the, the individual themselves. They can share it one-on-one -on -one with me, or they can share it in the group, or they don't even, they don't have to. It's, it's for them to start journaling because 
that's kind of what it is. It's like journaling. And some people are like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I, I don't want to journal. But it's, it really gets you to look within and start healing from within. Because when you bring these answers on paper or you say them out loud, you stop and think and say, oh, wow, I didn't think about it that way. Now I can think about it this way. And it really, it really does help the individual or that person going through this process really get a handle on their true inner self. And I found that, you know, women do like it. They, 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 they're like, oh my gosh, wow. I know I cried. I know I wrote. I know I was angry. I know I was happy. But it just, I feel at peace after that. You know, and okay, what's the next step? All right, how can I, how can I handle this step differently than I did this one? You know, and it just stirs up a lot of emotions, which to me, once they're out, you heal. Yeah. So the impression, the visual I get is somebody going up some very steep stairs. There aren't that many stairs, but you know, but so, so they're kind of, they're, they're big and you step on. Yep. And then once you do the releasing and the work that's needed, then you're ready to go up again, 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 till you get to the top. Right. Right. That's a great analogy. I like that one. <laughs> it is true though. Yes. <laughs> yes, that is such a great, you know, I usually say climb the mountain or, but yeah, the steps are pretty good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, because no. with you, oh. it sounds like it's, it, it's, it's stages and phases. <sighs> yes. That's why you stepped as opposed to the mountain. That, that was what was coming to me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's something I said a little, taking one step at a time. Absolutely. Or one what foot about, in what the about the, what about the clinical decisions uh, that need to be made? You know, do you have chemotherapy? Do you have a mastectomy? Do you have a double mastectomy? I mean, I wasn't fortunately wasn't diagnosed with breast cancer, but I know the minute my sister was, and I have three children. I was doing so much research about well, if I end up with if I do have this gene after all, then okay, here we go, double mastectomy. Da, 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 da. And, you know, I'm waiting all those months for the, the genetic test uh, results, which fortunately was negative. So, but it's still there. I mean, it's still there now. You know, I, I go, I have to have a, a, a mammogram every, every year. And every time there's more research, then the doctors keep saying, okay, should we put you on, you know, you, I mean, I don't drink now and I have a largely vegan diet. I want to talk about diet, actually. Um, and, and minimize my stress and I do lots of exercise, but I don't let it control my life because in my core, I believe that this isn't going to happen to me because I won't allow it to control me, but other people going through that process. So now I'm thinking of people who, you know, obviously for me, I, I was high, you know, considered high risk. So I get all this extra care, but for other people who are in remission, who may still have that high risk. They're still having to potentially, if they want to prevent it coming back, obviously we've talked about the stress and the release, but there are still aspects of, like we said, diet, uh, drinking, 
uh, you know, avoiding alcohol, uh, exercising, right. communication, resting, acknowledging that, that this is their life, but not allowing it to take over in remission, i.e., okay, you know what, I'm five years on, I, it happened, I'm not going to forget it because it's made me who I am, but I do need to get on with my life rather than looking at the menu of a restaurant and thinking, I would really love to have a drink, but I mustn't have a drink. Or I would really like a steak. Actually, I mustn't because it might give me cancer. Right? So how can you get, how can you, how can those healthy behaviors become part of your life without, without being something that, that possesses you? And that, that's, is getting obsessed over, Certain situations, certain situations we have no control over, right? So it's, it's the part of learning and understanding your feelings that, yes, I go into, that's even actually another program. It's like the Remission and Beyond program, actually. And we talk about making sure you get enough sleep which is key, drinking enough fluids like water, okay, a, a healthy eating plan, okay, the movement, whatever type of exercise you do, okay, whatever spirituality, taking time for self-love and self-care, that is the dimensions of your life that we touch on and we go over because it is so important so that you do not get that phone call back and say, guess what? You have cancer again, you know? Can it happen? Without a doubt, it can happen. All right, I don't sugarcoat it. It can happen. You can do everything right. I'm prime example of doing everything right and look what happened six years later, you know? And that is the thing that most women Fear, a fear of getting that phone call. I have people texting me, calling me, emailing me, I'm going for my, 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 my mammogram. I'm going, I'm going back to the doctor for a checkup, the oncologist. And, and it's like that fear comes all back again. And if you just stop, what if you just stopped and said, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing and I have to go for my checkup. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna listen and see what happens. It's a lot easier to say these things than to do them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you know. So, so it's about approaching everything. Like you, right back to the beginning, we've come full circle. But we said it, approaching everything with positivity. What's another way to look at it? Yes, I'm going for a mammogram. But rather than thinking, oh my God, oh my God, they're going to find something. Oh God, oh, uh oh, uh oh. It's approaching, you know, I'm going to a mammogram because it will, it will benefit my peace of mind. It will benefit my family's peace of mind. It will just be added confirmation that I am okay. Exactly. And resonating with that vocabulary, telling yourself that story with ending that I am okay to help overcome the fear. Without a doubt. 
it's it's every time like you said you you go in you reframe it and you say wow i get to go for a mammogram because like you said i'm going to be okay i'm going to get a positive report when i get the the positive report then i can relay it to my significant other to my children to you know it's it's like okay i'm in a good spot right now you know and that was that was very well said and and it is that is the the words the encouragement that i relay to to women who are going through this it's it's very hard to 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 understand how to reframe things some people don't truly understand how to do that and that's something that i work with my clients with you know when people say to me for example you working out like you're always working out you're always, you know it's more to me the words that i use is i get to work out i can work out you know when i work out I'm, my mind is clear i can face the day better you know i have strength you know and it's you know you have to learn how to balance everything like you said earlier it, yeah. it's that balance of physically mentally you know emotion especially your emotions yeah. without a doubt so, so when you mentioned emotions i know i know in my book in I, I have a chapter on on health and exercise and diet and you know this mindset and healing yourself in there and i have an exercise that i call peeling the onion you talked about peeling the onions before <laughs> right and it's it's about finding your emotion which i call your energetic motion for change in other words what is going to keep you deeply deeply motivated to to take on a health positive behavior and therefore in a very positive way not coming from a place of fear so that it is not a fear-based belief or behavior it's a conscious based one one that is through choice um, and I know for me things like you know the the diet or or the exercise I mean I do actually happen to have fun with my exercise anyway but when I peeled off the layers in this exercise and went out of my and into my heart keep on peeling and I obviously talk about how how to do this exercise but I got to the point of okay I don't want my children to go through what I went through and so that heart-centered place which is not through fear but it's a heart-centered motivation that keeps me engaging in positivity right that is so true. I, I, I honestly believe that when we look at things, like you said, from the heart, it does give you the motivation, the energy, the positivity to look at things differently. And it's our limiting beliefs. It's, it's something that we have lived with since most since childhood and those limiting beliefs are the are the things that we need to look at and 
discover why we believe that. And once we realize why we believe it, then what do we want to believe instead? Is something that gets uncovered as you go through this process without it, you know, and I keep saying without a doubt, and I, I'm sorry, I keep doing, it. I gotta, I gotta be careful sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much the case. So, you know, I have, I have this in my head with, I get, I get too excited sometimes when I talk and I'm like, come on. Without a doubt, we are now out of time. <laughs> but, but Dina, I have loved talking to you. They've certainly gone deep. So um, I want people to be able to get in touch with you because we've touched on several of you. It's not just one program. It's several different programs that, that deal with different aspects of this. And like I said, there's the remission only of what you do afterwards. There's, and there's from diagnosis through to treatment. There are group pr programs. There's one-to-one. -one. There's so many different ways that you can help people. And I hope by talking today, we've made people realize that actually there can be so much positive out of out of adversity and and you have such tailored both medical and coaching knowledge and life experience to be able to truly engage and help any any woman going through this so uh, which is just fantastic so people can reach you my love through dina at wellness warriors life.com right so the best thing you said is to email you yes and yes. that is the name of your website wellness warriors for life yes my website is wellness warriors for life yes it is okay. wellness warriors for life.com and email dina at dina at wellness warriors for life.com and she would you you would normally you know, then spend some time speaking to with that person yes. and how to i actually Right, right. I do a complimentary session. I call it a complimentary discovery session. And it's, it's something that they can, they can schedule with me and by emailing me and then I'll sell, sell, send them the link and we can go from there. Great, great, wonderful. And really just help uplift and heal so many people which is just fantastic we are so on the same wavelength it's been wonderful wonderful <laughs> speaking with you uh thank you so so much for everything real pleasure tina thank you it was my honor thank <laughs> you for having me ah thank you so that is another episode my friends please do feel free to share this with anybody who you feel may benefit and hopefully you found it as heartwarming and uplifting as I did. And please do hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of our next episode uh, of Be Free, Be Fun, and Be Fearless. I am Dr. Ranar Alpalaki. Bye-bye for now.